Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the JT and Looney Podcast, episode 24. Touchdown! He hate me! Here come the fireworks! We break down the National Football League, shake it and bake it, slice it and dice it, sauce it and toss it, and look ahead to the NFL playoff picture. Yeah, and then we can maybe just generally touch on college football um, with the conference championship games and give our opinions on that. Regular boarding will begin in approximately 10 minutes' time. We will also dabble in some air travel talk. And, oh, do we dare, do we dare dip our toe into the political waters? Stick to sports! Shut up! We'll talk about the Howard Stern interview with Hillary. Please have your boarding pass and identification ready. I travel back to uh, back east to Pennsylvania for my mom's surprise 80th birthday party. Now, you might be saying, why in God's name would you go to Pennsylvania from Vegas? In the middle of the woods. Yeah, in the middle of the woods. We went to this resort called Woodlock Pines, which is identical from the movie Dirty Dancing. Remember the movie Dirty Dancing where everybody went away and Mm. there were counselors and their shows. They put on the show and the food was amazing. And the owner of the property came up to you at dinner and introduced himself. It was Americana. Uh, My wife and my sisters, my sisters did all the work putting it together and we surprised my mom. But I much rather would have been there, Tom, in June, July and August. (laughs) So we could have been on the canoes that were all stocked up and went water skiing instead of. Uh, just eating. What it was, was it was a gluttony food trip where all you could do was look forward to the meals because you couldn't do anything outside because it was 25 degrees. So we waited around all day for breakfast and dinner and then hung out with our family and the travel was okay going. But 15 hours at Newark airport, 15 to get back. Right. It was the first, first time in my life in human civilization where I saw porta potties like you'd see in an NFL game in the concourse of Newark Airport because the bathrooms were too crowded. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So it was like Woodstock in the concourse. Yes. <laughs> wow. They were running out of bread at Jersey Mike's. They were wow. running out of alcohol. Everybody was freaking out because you know why? It's one of our favorite topics. Everybody was faked out to believe it might snow. It didn't. It snowed the next day. So they started canceling flights and canceling connections. And everybody was sitting around looking out the window at Newark going, wow, there's a little bit of rain, but there's no snow. But everybody bought into the fake news that you talk about every night. David Muir, Lester Holt, whoever it is, they lead off the news, Nora O'Donnell. And before the big headline of Trump and the impeachment, they go right to breaking news on the weather. And they show you some satellite of some storm and everybody's scared to death. Well, here's where I may lift the curtain and uh, in the newsrooms, now that I work in a newsroom at KBC. Congratulations. And point out, oh, thank you. And point out that... Uh, It's not really fake news. What happens there is when they get the weather forecast, and that's what it is, it's a forecast. It's not fake. They're guessing. They're right there in the word forecast. They they need to move the planes somewhere other than Newark. And they move all the planes down south. So that's what's happening is the day ahead of time, where there, there you were a day ahead of time, they're not taking a risk with your plane <laughs> flying into Newark. They're flying it to Atlanta and parking it on this enormous parking lot, and they're going to wait out the weather. And that's where all those cancellations come from. 
not that they're gun shy as they should be flying people 300 at a time across the country. They should be gun shy and they should be careful and they're overly cautious. And that's why it's so, it's so hard in life. It's so much easier winning the lottery than it is ending up in a plane crash. Cause they're very, very careful. Don't complain about that. 15 hours in a, in an airport, big deal. Think of how long it would have taken you to take your horse from Las Vegas to Pennsylvania for that party. I would have, tra- I would have traded a horse uh, for two horses and a donkey to do that. One other thing, though, my mom's birthday was on November eighth, and right. the party, the surprise was on November twenty eighth. And my point right. is this: I'm, I'm, I, I'll do anything to see my family. I'm very guilty, as you know, that I don't see them enough. Right. Because I decided to live out west where the weather was better and there were no state taxes, and I love it. And I'm lived in California, San Diego, L.A., San Francisco, because I just early on in life knew that I could not settle in New York. I could not do it. It just wasn't a great fit for me. So I'm guilty that I don't see my sisters and parents enough. But can't we get rid of this holiday tradition? of flying cross country on the day or night before a holiday. Why not do it two weeks before that and save a third or half the price or two weeks after the holiday where we can go somewhere cheaper and enjoy it more. Why do we race to be there on a holiday, especially traveling to bad weather in the winter? My brother, as you know, started with zero in his bank account, ended up retiring at 42 and one of the number one things people waste money on, a bottled water would be number one on his list. And number two, uh, cars, people pay off their car and reward themselves by getting another car rather than avoiding the payment for several years. And number three is being unwise with air travel. You're absolutely right. My brother's birthday is December 10th. So a lot of times I'll fly back east and be together with family and friends in December, usually with a Christmas tree. It just doesn't happen to be Christmas Day. And my brother's birthday, as you know, yours, your birthday is very close to Thanksgiving. Some days on Thanksgiving, so everyone forgets about yours. And uh, same thing with my brother. It's in December 10th. And nobody in this country is flying anywhere on December 10th or 9th or 8th. And between Thanksgiving and Christmas, nobody's flying anywhere. So I always get really cheap travel rates to go see my brother and do what you are recommending celebrate the holiday near the holiday, maybe two weeks ahead. Doesn't kill you. Still a lot of fun. It's a spontaneous gathering of loved ones. And the reason why we went to Pennsylvania to a resort is we were spooked to believe that traveling over Thanksgiving to the Caribbean or somewhere warm would have cost more money and been ultra expensive. And that was blown out of the water when I checked out of this resort and uh, almost had to take out a second mortgage to pay for it. Now, it was worth it, but it's incredible because we travel so hard to get back. Think of this. And before we get to the NFL, for all of us who live out west or west of the Mississippi and we have family back east, a lot of people do who are downloading this podcast. Two of the biggest holidays are Thanksgiving and Christmas. You throw in the 4th of July. I like to travel east for the 4th of July because I can get in the ocean and I could be at the beach. But traveling on Thanksgiving or before or even Christmas, you're taking all the fun out of the entertainment value of being back east at Martha's Vineyard or walking on the beaches in New England or being anywhere in Philly or Pennsylvania in New Jersey and enjoying that great weather. So I'm happy. I had a great trip. 
I know it doesn't sound like it because of the travel, <laughs> but I think we got to figure out down the road, Tom, how to get people to travel west uh-huh. in the winter and people out west to travel east in the summer. Doesn't that make sense? No, you just defeated your own purpose. Don't do it when everyone else is doing it. So here's the thing. My Another thing my brother has done to save a ton of money traveling, and that is he'll go visit Maine in October. Not in the summer when the the weather's fine, but everyone's back to school and doing other things. You go to Maine in October. You go. What did I do two years ago? I went to Italy for Thanksgiving vacation. It cost me three fifty to fly round trip from L.A. because no one was flying to Europe Thanksgiving week. And so there's a lot of great ways to travel cheaply, safely, and have a great time and avoid tourists or busy airports when you do it smartly. So sometimes plan around when everyone else is doing it, when everyone's zigging zag. And I think that that's one of the things that you, that you, anybody who listens to this podcast or listen to us on the radio over the years, that's what made the show interesting. When everyone was zigging, we were zagging. You and I joined the circus. We left for California. <laughs> I'm from upstate New York, you from downstate New York to get away from the weather and do our circus act here with microphones on the radio and the podcast. Well, I'm happy you didn't go to Venice this Thanksgiving. You would have drowned. I know. Oh, I saw that. Venice is underwater. Oh. I'm just thinking, thank God all the art is on the ceiling and high <laughs> up on the wall. Right. Not on the ground because it's scary. I'm happy we, I went and saw Notre Dame. I stayed a block away, as close oh, as you could stay. Wow. In, the, in that district, and I watched it as it was pure perfection before it almost burned to the ground. And I went to Venice when it wasn't flooding. Got pretty lucky over the last couple of years, and you've been getting lucky with travel. But to wrap up the holiday travel, it's important. Nothing's more important than family. But I got a really heavy dose of airport travel on Thanksgiving. And when they say <laughs> it's the biggest travel day of the year, you will not get an argument from me anymore on that oh. travel day. Uh, as you, as I alluded to earlier, I was anchoring at KABC on Sunday, and we did have a story that said it was not only the most, uh, I think, the most traveled day of the year. It may Sunday after Thanksgiving may have been the most air traveled day in the history of the country. So that's when you were stuck in an airport in the most heavily traveled air traveled day in the history of the country. I wish a flight attendant, we used to be allowed to call them stewardesses. I mean, more. used to I be able to they, slap them on the ass. I wish they would have <laughs> gave me wings. I would have actually put on wings when I got on my flight at 1130 instead of uh, 830 like it was supposed to be. Touchdown! He hate me! All right, pick a, pick a conference, NFC or AFC. Oh, let's go with the AFC with my running quarterbacks. Uh, you got the New England Patriots at 10-2. and two. They take on Kansas City. I'll tell you why this game is significant. A lot of people believe that this is the real beginning of the end of Tom Brady, and they might be right. He's not throwing the ball deep. He's starting to chirp at his receivers who aren't running the right routes. He doesn't have Antonio Brown. They're trading away their future to get receivers who aren't panned out. So Brady's on edge. Guys aren't getting open. And Kansas City... They just destroyed the Raiders uh, last Sunday, and they're healthy. There's a must-win game for Kansas City, Tom. If they can't go into New England and beat the Patriots, who beat them last year in the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead, I mean, how far is this Chiefs team going to go, even if you win the, even if they win the AFC West? Well, I will tell you, there are 20 quarterbacks in the NFL with a better quarterback rating than Tom Brady. He's the 21st best quarterback in the NFL, and that spells trouble 
for the New England Patriots. You know what else does? Losing. Because what if the Baltimore Ravens end up with home field advantage? Everyone always talks about, you got to go through New England. That's one of the things you got to do. You got to go through New England. What if the Ravens or someone else in the AFC, but most likely the Ravens don't have to go through New England Mm -hmm. in order to try to get to the Super Bowl? That would be a great advantage for the Baltimore Ravens. So the Patriots got to keep winning because they have that cushy AFC East. And then they always have the cushy playoff schedule because they get to host their playoff games. If the Patriots don't get to host their playoff games, they're done. Another team, and I cannot believe, I don't think we've ever said this together as long as we've known each other, the Buffalo Bills are (laughs) one game out of first place, one game in the loss column behind New England. They were great on Thanksgiving as they took apart Dallas in front of Jerry Jones. That was great television watching Jerry. And they didn't show him enough because I was going crazy on Thanksgiving watching that game because Tony Romo was on the call. Emmett Smith was in the booth for a quarter, mm-hmm. and, right? And then they had a camera on Jerry. But how about the team from your dirt? How about the Buffalo Bills who are hosting the Ravens this Sunday at home with one of the best defenses in all of football? What happens if Buffalo upsets the Ravens and New England loses to Kansas City and we got a tie at top of the AFC East? How cool would that be? Uh, that would be really cool. Although the Buffalo Bills beating the, the Baltimore Ravens, the Bills and the Cowboys are both bum slayers. And that's bad news for Cowboy fans because the Cowboys couldn't beat the Buffalo Bills. So that's that means the Cowboys have got to be bums because the Buffalo Bills don't beat good teams. So that means the Cowboys aren't a good team. And the Buffalo Bills aren't going to beat the Baltimore Ravens, period. The Saints are at home against the 49ers. I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl when we had our Super Bowl preview podcast mm-hmm. a couple of months ago. And the Niners, the Niners have shut me up. How many times have you heard me say, I don't oh. pray at the altar of Jimmy G. I don't drink the Jimmy G Kool-Aid. When I watch this team, the Niners oh. play defense. Oh. Even, when, even when they lost to the Ravens in the rain on the Justin Tucker walk-off game-winning field goal, the Niners could have won that game. They, they should have beat Seattle or at least went for the tie. That was mm-hmm. a big storyline. They didn't want to go for the tie, and they gave Seattle that game. The Niners have an opportunity to beat the Saints. This feels like the NFC Championship game. Oh, it sure does. And the thing I like about the San Francisco 49ers, and same thing with you, because we 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 aren't we don't get stuck in our ways. I love when a team can turn around their reputation in my mind. Because the reputation of the 49ers since Harbaugh left were P U what stinks. They've been awful. But their defense is rugged. They're winning games with defense. Jimmy G has gotten this. Here's the bad news. Jimmy G uh, for the rest of the league has gotten better. Every week, and I was the guy more than you not praying at the altar of Jimmy G. But as you know, I watched the quarterback rating, and he has gotten statistically better and better and better every week. He's over 100 now. There's only 10 quarterbacks with over a 100 quarterback rating. The 49ers could beat anybody, and hooray for them for not going for the tie against the Seattle Seahawks. There's a new zeitgeist. There's a new pattern in the NFL, uh, and that is – Going forward on fourth down, you know I want to take the foot out of football. No no punts, no field goals. People are going for it on fourth down and going with the analytics rather than just just putting the ball away on fourth and one and fourth and two, even in their own territory. So I'm loving the new philosophy in the NFL of just uh, of gambling and going for it on fourth down. I love it. 
One of the things about this time of year as we get ready for another four games left for all of these teams in week 14 is there are teams that are about to be eliminated. Many have been eliminated and several like the teams we're talking about, the Niners and the Saints, the Ravens, Buffalo, they're all in the playoffs. It just depends on what their seeding is going to be. But an elimination game is going to be the Titans at the Raiders. And I remember going back to 2002 as the Raiders were going to the Super Bowl that year and beat the Titans in the AFC Championship game, mm. Rich Gannon versus Steve McNair. And it was a memorable game oh, because they, won, they oh. won the AFC Championship. The crowd went crazy. I was on the field for that. And now we see it again as the Titans have won three in a row. The Raiders are reeling. I mean, the Raiders got busted in the mouth by the Jets 34 to 3 and they just gave up 40 to Kansas City Tom this is the last shot it's the second to last game to ever be played at the famed Oakland Alameda County Coliseum before the Jaguar game next week yeah thanks Roger Cadell last game ever to be the Jaguars but uh, if the Titans win with Derrick Henry winner move forward loser go home the Raiders would have the tiebreaker over Tennessee and Indianapolis trying to track down the Steelers for that final wild card. And it gets worse for the Raiders. Ryan Tannehill right now after eight games at quarterback oh. uh, for the Tennessee Titans, the number one quarterback in the NFL. Higher quarterback rating than Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, or anybody else you can name. He's number one. So that's pretty amazing. Ryan Tannehill coming into his own. As you see every once in a while over the course of our lifetime, JT, a guy will get into his 30s and all of a sudden the game slows down. And he's figured out what he's doing. It doesn't happen very often. You know, Jim Plunkett, there's a very short list of guys who, uh, and Kirk Warner's another one, who the game just slowed down and they got better. And Ryan Tannehill might be one of those guys. Marcus Mariota, a faint memory. He's going to be the quarterback most likely there in Tennessee for a while. Nice Plunkett reference on his birthday today as we record. Nice on Jim Plunkett's birthday. I like that. And one other game, one other game that doesn't mean much. It means everything to Philadelphia as they are in a fight for the NFC East with the uh, Cowboys. What a mess that division's been. Eli Manning's going to start on Monday Night Football at the Eagles. And he has a 500 record career-wise. His entire career. His yeah. record is a 500. And if he doesn't win this game, he'll leave the Giants as a below 500 quarterback. But I just wanted to say is the Giants have a 2-10 and 10 record that if they just left Eli alone and didn't bench him and let him play the entire year, the Giants would be tied with the Eagles at 5-7. and seven. They'd have five wins. They wouldn't have 10. And the Giants would be a game out of first place, depending on what happens to the Cowboys. The Giants mishandled this Eli thing so badly I think Pat Shermer's going to get fired, and there's going to be a reboot of the Big Blue Wrecking Crew. Disgraceful that Eli, 100% healthy, had to sit there holding a Microsoft Word tablet all year long when Daniel Jones was turning it over game after game. Equally fascinating here, what's wrong with the Eagles? What the hell is wrong with the Eagles? We've seen the dysfunction right in front of our face with the, with the Giants. The dysfunction with the Eagles has snuck up on us. Yeah, the Eagles can't get their receivers open down the field. They don't have weapons. They don't have wide receivers who can get any type of separation. They don't have an elite running back. Uh, their defense, which was supposed to be better, is pretty much average at best. You know, for the Eagles this year, we're back to that conversation where knuckleheads in Philly are looking to run Carson Wentz out of town. Right, I even right. had a caller on my SiriusXM show say, what would it take for Nick Foles to come back? And I said, excuse me? 
the same Nick Foles that Doug Marone benched again for Gardner Minshew, the Eagle fans would take him back in a minute, Tom, because they're oh, yeah. sick and tired of Carson Wentz, and they don't think he can win the big one. It's a rough crowd in Philly, as we know, and all the Eagles have to do this week is stop a three-game losing streak by beating a quarterback who hasn't played in three months. And what really sucks for the Eagles and their fans, we don't know if they can do it. No, we don't, and that that's yeah. what's crazy about this year. I will say as we get back to the standings, that this is the most incredible year that I can remember when it comes to the NFC playoffs because the Vikings almost beat Seattle in, in front of the mm-hmm. 12s last week. And I think that Minnesota is better than green Bay. In my opinion, they have a better team. Everybody rips on Kirk cousins. He's a, probably he's the third or fourth in line for the MVP this year. His numbers are insane. They are but insane. But as you know, when the, when the chips are down, can't win. He, he stinks. Yeah. They can't win on Monday night football. But if you look at the playoff standings in the NFC, that we could have – there's a real debate about the Niners and the Seahawks because, remember, they play each other the last game of the year. So if they're tied, oh, that, that, that game will come down to it because Seattle has the tiebreaker. They already beat them. So Seattle – get this. This makes sense. Seattle might actually want the Niners to beat New Orleans. Okay, follow me here. Okay. If, 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 if the Niners beat New Orleans to go to 11-2 and – and Seattle is tied with the Niners, but they have the tiebreaker over the Niners. They could still make the Niners become a five seed, and Seattle can overtake New Orleans as the one seed because New Orleans, if they lose to San Francisco, Seattle can jump then. So it's really crazy now. When you're talking about your rival, you just always want them to lose, right? right Seattle right. can want the Niners to lose. No. If the Niners win, Seattle can not only overtake the Niners – they could overtake New Orleans and go from a five seed in Seattle to the one seed and home field advantage. This is exciting. As of the, as we record this podcast, New Orleans is the one seed, Seattle two, Green Bay three, Dallas at six and six going into Thursday night as we're recording this against the Bears. Then it's the Niners at 10 and two in Minnesota at eight and four. Uh, the Rams almost have to be perfect, Tom. They're at seven they and five. They're going to run the table if they want to get in. Well, what's fascinating, too, about when you take a look at the Seattle Seahawks and the way Russell Wilson has played at the MVP level, there's only – I mean, it's a two-man race for the MVP. Forget Kirk Cousins or anybody else. It's Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. I think Lamar Jackson has taken over Russell Wilson in that spot. But uh, don't don't you think? I'm Russell Wilson, it's been all year, but it's that is going to be a really close voting race yeah. between Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think Lamar Jackson has it now with the still four games left and anything could happen there. And Lamar Jackson's got to go into Buffalo and play a really a big, big game coming up here. But I think Lamar Jackson not only overtook Russell Wilson, but he has the lead now. But we know that Russell Wilson is a game time clutch quarterback and can <laughs> come back and steal that MVP. The NBA has got some problems because the ratings are down 23%, 23% on TNT, mm-hmm. 19% on ESPN. And this is a topic I wanted to debate with you because I think there's real issues here. First off, the fact that the NFL has got great stars like Lamar Jackson, Russell. Oh, Wilkins. yeah, NFL. Yeah, the uh, NFL is taking some of this, the shine away from the NBA right now. Uh, we're allowed to say this now because we don't work for ruthless people anymore. Cord cutting. Uh, cord cutting <laughs> is significant. The, the two companies I mentioned, TNT and ESPN, are cable. 
and people are cord cutting their mm-hmm. cable. So there's not as many eyeballs on TNT and ESPN. And, and you know, we, we've always talked about for years. I don't think the NBA season starts until Christmas where they used to have a double header. Now they right. have five games. Uh, they downplay it, but this is one of my favorite NBA seasons so far in a long time with how great LeBron and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Bucks and the Celtics are playing. I think it's been fun. When you and I, for 15 years, did a talk show together, we we barely ever talked about the NBA before Christmas. And it wasn't unprofessional for us to ignore the NBA and before the NBA and before the NFL playoffs, it just it just almost didn't matter. So it certainly gets a lot of hype before Christmas. There's been a lot of, but the ratings are down. LeBron's playing in the West, and people who who like to follow individual stars in the Eastern and Central Time Zone can't stay up until ten thirty at night or nine thirty at night and see an entire Laker game, or they don't have their cable package anymore because they're cord cutting. There's a lot that goes into that, but you know the NFL season will will end. And more eyes will be focused on the NBA. Things ebb and flow, but the biggest stars, and we can see them, we can feel them. They're not wearing spacesuits. Guys in the NBA are the, are the biggest sports stars in our culture, arguably. And, uh, and and when you want to talk about the MVP, I'm the guy that now every night gets to watch LeBron James play. And he's on my team, the Los Angeles mm, yep. Lakers. And in the MVP conversation, we we're just always like to look for the new shiny object. It happens all the time, and we ignore the legends in front of us. And LeBron James, for anybody his age, nobody his age has ever played this well in the history of the planet when it comes to basketball. Nobody. Matter of fact, in the history of sports at all, going all the way back to the Coliseum in Rome 2,000 years ago, nobody 37 was ever accomplishing feats of magic like him and the way he's playing. He looks like magic Johnson, only better. He's a democratic player out there. Just he can have a wide open shot from five feet away and he'll pass the ball to a guy who's two feet away. He's everything. Anybody ever would want your son to be as a basketball player. He stays out of trouble and he's a team guy who spreads the ball around and cares about team stuff. I am never been so impressed in my life with a basketball player with a wink and a nod to Kobe Bryant <laughs> than I have to LeBron James at his age and what he's doing with the Lakers. Am I filibustering talking about the Lakers? Oh, you're right about this. LeBron, <laughs> LeBron's averaging 25.4, 10.8 assists. Yeah. He, he's shooting 50% from the field, and he's playing great. Now, I went through their schedule. They've been bum slayers. They, they have the toughest schedule in December, so we're going to learn a lot after Christmas heading into the new year if the Lakers can stay hot. But the way that LeBron, he wanted Anthony Davis for a reason. He really wanted Anthony Davis because he wants Anthony Davis, who's younger, to be the star. He wants him to be the one guy that LeBron can defer to, get him the ball, attack the rim, dump it off to him in front of the rim for a dunk. And Davis is doing that. And Davis is off to a great start there too. But I didn't think LeBron would be this dominant statistically. And it drives the Michael Jordan fans crazy because Jordan went six and zero in the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. And that's all, that's all the Jordan fans can hold on to now. I cannot believe I'm about to say this. I'm happy I'm saying it on our podcast and not the radio. I've never been this close to saying LeBron is the greatest player of all time because he's going to shatter every record that Jordan ever had statistically. Not even not even close. He's going to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record. And let me bookend it for you. Mm-hmm. The way he's playing at this age, Jordan could never do. 
never play at this level at the same age. And as you often point out, LeBron went from high school to the NBA. Something, something else Michael Jordan was incapable of doing. Yeah. Incapable of doing it. Michael jo- uh, Jordan got cut in high school. Okay. He went to North Carolina and then Dean Smith completely changed his game and got him to become a great player, game winning shot in the NCAA tournament. And then when he went pro, he went number three in the first round, which was fantastic for him, but he was not comparable to LeBron James coming out of St. Vincent St. Mary's on the cover of sports illustrated as a 17 year old. So LeBron's got a lot of things that Jordan doesn't have the front of the career, the back of the career. And how about points per game, rebounds, assist steals, and all of them in the regular season and the playoffs when it's all said and done, I'd say LeBron's doing a pretty good job tracking down Michael Jordan. Oh yeah. And that's why I think a lot of resentment over the years with Kobe Bryant and LeBron James is the daddy syndrome everybody had with Michael Jordan. And, and those two are stepdaddies. They're not their, my real dad, like the Geico commercial uh, or real life for a lot of people. And, and when you take a look at what he's done and what you know, Kobe Bryant could also, when you can take it make the same argument about he did what he did what Michael Jordan, Kobe did what Michael Jordan couldn't do. And that's come straight out of high school and go to the NBA and play. And they both had a confidence level at 17 and 18, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, that Michael Jordan didn't have. They both thought that they could beat Michael Jordan in one-on-one when they were teenagers. LeBron and Kobe, they had an arrogance and a cockiness ahead of schedule that Michael Jordan didn't have. But, you know, when you're at any moment, just like right now, when you're in the same conversation as Michael Jordan, as Kobe and LeBron always are, then uh, your career is going pretty well. Well, there's one other thing I'm happy you mentioned cocky because there's Mm -hmm. one thing I'd like the NBA fans and especially Laker fans to keep an eye on Uh, earlier in the week on Wednesday night, the Lakers beat the jazz in Salt Lake city. Oh yeah. And they blew them out in the game. They beat them 121 to 96 and it wasn't even that close. Yeah. So, so in the fourth quarter, LeBron took his sneakers off. Took him off, just had his socks on. He signed the sneakers and gave them to a kid, which was great. And then Kuzma had back-to-back blocks in the paint, and LeBron got off the bench with a towel, waving it like ML Carr back in the day, walking onto the court with his socks on while the play was going on. And then he slid like risky business all the way back to the bench. And then Dwight Howard hit a three, and he was mocking the crowd. And the Lakers were whooping it up. And I'm telling you, circle that game. Because I don't think the Jazz are good enough to beat the Lakers in the postseason. But every one of those fans and the broadcasters were furious because of LeBron's behavior. Now, not everybody was upset. And I can understand why. If you want to stop someone, stop them from celebrating. But come on, LeBron James. Act like you've been there before. Coming onto the court in a game with your socks on and mocking the Jazz fans, that's not a good look. Well, it's, it's a worse look when he sits down on the other side of the stadium and can't stand his teammates. <laughs> he had to do last year. Uh, he, look, this is a guy who's a team player who's excited that his other teammates are excelling. I'm playing the other side of this in the way that we complain that guys only care about the money and they only care about themselves and they don't care about teamwork and they don't care about each other. They, And this is a guy 
who doesn't care about the money. He cares about winning, it seems. He's really excited that his teammates are playing well. He's cheering them on. Isn't that what you're supposed to be when you're a teammate? Yeah, you're not supposed to be over the top and show up your opponents. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times athletes stand what they do, stand what they don't. If they cry after a loss, we mock them. On the other hand, we mock them if we think they don't care. So when you're leading your life in front of cameras, people are going to find these moments to knock you. But mm -hmm. like you said, and like so many people say, uh, if Utah Jazz went out and gave up, uh, gave them 110% effort, then the Lakers wouldn't have been able to do that. If the game we had, we had a five-point difference at that moment, and the Jazz came out and played like they're supposed to be capable of doing as professionals, then you don't give another team an opportunity to do that cocky stuff. Lakers look great. That's all you need to know. We'll see oh how this God. plays out. The only thing that my head's going to pop on is if, Ky uh, if, if Kawhi Leonard sits out a back-to-back -back game against the Lakers in that building. If, oh, he, if, he, if he does that, and a round of applause for Carmelo Anthony. How good has he looked? Carmelo came oh. back. He wanted to play. He's a basketball player. It's like a movie star or a TV actor. All they want is another sitcom, another right. movie, another <laughs> opportunity. Carmelo taking advantage of that. He had a 25-point game already. He's fit. He's in shape. Not a great defender, but I, I'm just happy to see Carmelo back. And Carmelo is also a really good guy. And I think a lot of times yeah. over the years, somehow people have been knocking him things, but it's never be, it's, it never seems to be based on personality or character, which is good. College football. Week 15, the college football playoff. And what a great TV show. I, I oh. rip on I rip on bad TV shows like The Mass Singer, which has got to be the worst <laughs> television show. Every time I see a promo for that, I almost put my hand through glass. The <laughs> mass, they gave Jenny McCarthy another show, another show that has 10 million plus people watching as people do karaoke with costumes on. I mean, what has happened? I thought the Kardashians were ruining society. No, the mass Singer is ruining society. <laughs> yeah. And matter of fact, that you even know what happens on that show says something. Did you, did you happen to be walking by the yeah. TV and somebody else in your family was watching? No, I just happened to watch a lot of football on Fox, and they okay. played the commercial every time out. Okay. So I get upset by that. But uh, that was a good out. Very good out there. Very good. Uh, college football, <laughs> the rankings, Ohio State 1 over LSU 2, Clemson, Georgia. Then it's Utah and Oklahoma where my son goes to school. And as you know, mm. um, I've been here in my wife's closet, and I see her Boomer Sooner T-shirt. And what's going to have to happen, Todd, is uh, – excuse me – uh, Tom is on Saturday as we, as, we see the, as we see the SEC championship game. If Georgia wins, party's over for Utah and Oklahoma. If Georgia wins, right? I think, I think if LSU wins, Georgia's out, and then we're going to have to pick the fourth team because Alabama can't get in losing the Iron Bowl, and that'll either be Oklahoma or Utah. I think Utah deserves it more, but it's a television show. And I think the TV show executives are going to want Jalen Hurts, who won a national championship for Alabama, play for Oklahoma in that final four. So a lot happened in head. Well, I would hope game. that, too. I would hope that, too, because the great chicken soup for the soup for this whole story in terms of Hurts. And it's also great because your kid goes to Oklahoma and there'll be a lot of fun around your house. But unless Georgia beats LSU in the SEC title game, as you mentioned, and there's chaos elsewhere uh, then the debate won't be as big. But are you are you cheering for chaos? So Oklahoma gets in. Are you yeah. chaos is also good when you're when you're on the radio at night on Mad Dog Radio. 
the the crazy part of this is that we used to have the BCS. If we had the BCS and not the playoff, uh-huh. uh, we'd, we'd leave Clemson out as an undefeated reigning champion. Ohio right, State yeah. and LSU would go one and two. They play in the BCS national championship game, and Clemson would not make it. Clemson's in now in an inferior conference. I can't believe we're saying it, but the ACC is inferior. But if Georgia, if Georgia loses, it's pretty easy. We got Utah and Oklahoma. And even Baylor, but I don't think Baylor's resume is good enough if they lose or even if they beat Oklahoma to get in. But here's the here's the caveat that I need you to keep an eye on. Ohio State and LSU are so good that if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin and LSU loses to Georgia, they're both in the Final Four. And I like mm-hmm. that. They, they went undefeated all year. So if they lose their last game of the year, they're not going to be stripped at an opportunity to play in the playoffs. And I love the stories that are going on, the underlying subplots with Jalen Hurts and with Ed Ogeron, who was in line to be the head coach at USC, where they desperately would like another coach, but they're having trouble finding the right guy, so they're going to keep the coach that they have. And he could have been uh, the coach at USC. He's now at LSU, and he's originally from Louisiana. So his punishment is that he gets to coach a team he grew up loving and he's kicking ass doing it. So that's also some of the subplots going on, especially the Ed Orgeron one is, is so much fun. And uh, yeah, and I have a connect, a Utah connection too. I got to cheer for the Utes. Now my cousin's a freshman at Utah and love to see him smile. All right, and finally, you mentioned my SiriusXM family. I'm in the family yes. of Howard Stern. And earlier this week, he had Hillary Rodham Clinton oh in studio. It was some of the greatest radio. Howard was never more excited. He's always said he wanted to interview her. And right. he should have been, if, if, if she would have went on with him before the election, she would have won. It no was where was that charming person? See, she had her guard up too much as a candidate. She was a charming, thoughtful, brilliant guest on Howard Stern and likable. She wasn't likable as a candidate. She was so likable. So I like to avoid I like to avoid politics on the radio, but not on the podcast, because who cares if we alienate people? It's just clicks. And we (laughs) want more clicks, obviously. But uh, I am breaking news. She's going to come back in the race and run for president. You think so? Definitely. The The interview was so good. The field is so lousy. I mean, it's a terrible field. But right. then again, Donald Trump had to go through 17 people. He did. And by the way, Bill he, Clinton did too. Bill Clinton was a nobody. And they back in 1992, that whole field was thought of as a joke. And we underestimated a genius called, uh, named Bill Clinton. And I don't know if we're underestimating any geniuses with the uh, with the current Democratic field, but we might be. The problem with Hillary is, is that we're going through an impeachment in the House and eventually mm-hmm. through the Senate. Uh, there's enough dirty laundry with her server and her deleted emails that if she wanted to get back into it again, she'd have to really clear that up. And I don't know if she can or not. But with Biden, Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala just dropped out. I think Hillary, now that Bloomberg got in and Bloomberg's not going to win. No, I no. That, I think that Hillary's looking at the field saying. I got this. And that Howard Stern interview. Remember I said this on this edition of the podcast. The Howard Stern interview is the beginning of her relaunch to get the nomination and try to beat him. I believe that.
Interesting. Yeah, you know, and all she would have to do is I shouldn't even have to campaign. Just keep on retweeting and uh, and uh, just sending out uh, cutting and pasting pieces of that interview. It's available on YouTube, and she would uh, she would do fine. And yeah, she didn't do. You know, they were pointing out during the interview how many times she got more votes than Obama when she didn't win the nomination in two thousand eight, and then she got more votes than. Trump when she ran for president in 2016. So she's been the the short end of the stick uh, in in very bizarre ways uh, throughout her career. But it was and she wasn't that likable when she ran for president. And with an open mind, if you watch that interview, uh, that she was far more as you did. And uh, that's what I think people have always enjoyed listening to you or listening to us on the radio, because you don't know what our people presume what our opinions might be. And then we surprise them. And finally, I want to wrap up the podcast on a sad note, two sad notes. I've had a very heavy heart this week. Uh, My mentor with the Raiders, George Atkinson, his son, George Atkinson III, who played for the Raiders at running back, uh, passed away this week over, over the Thanksgiving holiday. His twin brother, Josh Atkinson, also passed away within the year. So George, George and... A lot of it has to do with sadness and depression and losing your brother. And you can imagine where I'm going with this. But my mentor, George Atkinson, has lost both of his twin boys in a matter of a year at the age of 27. They were superstar elite track stars who both got scholarships and played at Notre Dame and were Notre Dame standouts. Uh, George made it to the NFL and uh, got a chance with the Raiders and the Cleveland Browns. And it's been tough because George is my guy, and I can't imagine what he's going through at this time. My wife, oh, George Senior, yeah, you, yeah, and you are, have been close over the years. And let me just say, when it comes to twins, it's like you know you you hear about the couple who are married for fifty years, and then one dies and the other one dies a few weeks later. Uh, that's very you know that there's a type of connection, and you, I'm not filling you. You're not uh, in on anything because your father has a twin brother. Yeah, my dad has an identical twin, and I'm familiar with that. But Yeah, you're familiar with that type of relationship where there's such a symbiotic relationship. I can imagine that's one of the reasons why they Mm -hmm. both died at the same age. And when you're going through a tough time and a dark patch in your life and you have depression, you always hear people say, reach out for help. There are people that love you that will help you get through the most difficult times in your life when you believe you cannot get through the most difficult day, the most difficult week and month of your life, you can get through it. Just ask for help. There are people to call and there are people who will drop everything to help you. And we are living at a time when we're allowed to talk about it, which has changed the world. And and I want to also dedicate the energy of this podcast to Cindy Katz, who was our former guest booker at Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Looney and I worked with her for a number of years, and she was such a professional. She would text me every time the Giants won a game, and Eli had a big game. And uh, she loved to get us great guests. She was a tremendous asset to us through so many years, and she died way too early and we loved her and we miss her tom i know you went to the funeral oh yes about cindy she will be missed and you that that was the reputation she had and i found out you know at the funeral that she did that with everybody almost like you with your phone i don't know how she had time to do anything else and you staying connected connected with your friends and you had you called 16 of them every day and she would reach out. She'd reach out to me and ask me how a guest was after each guest. She would she would not only book guests for shows, about five or six different shows. 
including weekend shows as well. She would also listen to every interview to make sure that the guest was quality, that she was booking for the show and that it fit in with the conversation. Such a great pro and her, her professional, her professional uh, in the business with her professional resume went all the way back to Roy Firestone. She was booking those great guests on the legendary Roy Firestone, which was on the original ESPN back in the days. He was at the funeral, of course, and he had been a friend of our show over the years too. And it's always delightful to run into. And, uh, and of all the people she knew, Roy Firestone was her favorite name drop. And I made sure that he knew that. And she, I'm, I'm so, we're so happy we get to actually drop her name tonight, even though, uh, we did it on the show while she was alive, still while she has has left us. As a big salute to Cindy Katz, and we will dedicate the energy of the show to her because God, she was a, a lot of people said at, at, the, uh, at work she was the radio mom of so many people inside mm -hmm. the building at Fox Sports Radio, and she will be missed. No doubt about that. Thanks for downloading, and please share the JT and Looney podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.